You're listening to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production focused on national security affairs. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. Today, I'm talking with Major Spencer French, author of Innovation, Flexibility, and Adaptation, Keys to Patents Information Dominance, which was published in the summer 2023 issue of Parameters. French is a U.S. Army military intelligence officer, and his research interests focus on historical military innovation and force design. Welcome to Decisive Point, Spencer. Good afternoon, Stephanie. In 1944, the Third Army created a system for management information and denying it to the enemy. It aligned operational concepts with technological capabilities. What inspired Patton to develop this system? I just wanted to start off with framing our discussion in terms of where the Army is today. Today, the Army is exploring how to converge its information-related capabilities to achieve effects across multiple domains as part of its MDO approach. And so technology and the operational environment have really evolved significantly since the Second World War. And obviously, Army leaders in 1944 didn't think in terms of concepts like decision dominance or information advantage. However, in March 1944, Third Army was contending with some similar issues of how to employ its information-related capabilities more cohesively and integrate them into combined arms warfare. So I really believe Patton would understand some of the challenges we're facing today. He'd been considering some of these issues for a while, probably as early as the First World War. And Patton's experiences in Africa and Sicily in 1942 and 1943 also reinforced with him that vital importance of precise and up-to-date knowledge of the location of his forces to inform decision-making. And just to give you a little bit of context, it often took 10 to 12 hours for routine information to make it from the front lines to the field post at the Army level. By the time we get to early 1944, Patton and the 3rd Army staff, many of whom had served with him in 7th Army in the Mediterranean, by the way, So they're grappling with these issues and the unique challenges of a campaign across France, particularly how could Third Army gain that initial space to break out? And even if it broke out, how could it sustain its momentum and dynamically reorient on new opportunities or threats? Of course, the Germans could always just trade space for time. And so how could Third Army prevent the enemy from reorganizing and disrupting its offensive? So I think it was his experience and his appreciation for the challenge ahead that really helped crystallize his vision for managing information and denying it to the Germans. What approach did Patton take in making the Third Army more effective? Over the course of 1944, Third Army really focused on optimizing its organizational structure and staff processes to support a concept for campaigning that centered on making decisions better and faster than the enemy. So by late 1943, we see him really developing out this concept for gaining and operationalizing an information advantage over his enemy. His G2 described Patton's formula as taking action and following it up with a second action in less time than it took for the enemy to react to that first one. And if he did that consistently, he would be constantly catching the enemy trying to react to his last action. To do that, though, you need an initial advantage to make a good decision first. And Patton saw intelligence as providing a means to gain and maintain the initiative, anticipate decisions, sequence actions. He also recognized the time to exploit opportunities against an adaptive enemy is limited. So if you could inject friction, misinformation, delays into the enemy's sensing and decision-making system, that could keep the enemy constantly reactive. And it's clear that by March or April 1944, probably earlier, Patton recognized Third Army required a cohesive system and dedicated elements to manage information and deny it to the enemy. What specialized units did Patton create to position the Third Army for decision dominance? 
Third Army adapted its existing assigned signal intelligence service, or SIS, and repurposed a mechanized cavalry group to serve as an Army Information Service, or AIS. It also created some new arrangements for functional responsibilities and staff processes. These changes enabled Third Army to converge several capabilities to create effects against enemy systems and decision makers while protecting its own decisions and decision-making processes. So these new organizations increased Third Army's speed of recognition, uh, its decision-making, and enabled Third Army to exploit opportunities and adjust its disposition and activities more rapidly than the Germans did. The SIS was responsible for managing signal intelligence, supervising signal security, issuing cryptographic materials, and that's kind of doctrinally what the SIS did across armies. However, Third Army Signal Intelligence Service rapidly expanded between the spring and summer of 1944, taking on progressively larger communication security, electronic attack, military deception mission that went beyond what other SISs were doing in other American armies in the European theater. So the SIS had took over management of the Third Army's Message Control Center, which was responsible for routing all messages, orders, and combat information into and out of Third Army's headquarters. So this was a highly effective integration of information assurance, security, intelligence directly into the flow of information to and from decision makers. And again, this went pretty well beyond that level of integration that you saw in other U.S. armies in the European theaters. During the same time, the SIS also took the lead for what the U.S. at the time termed electronic countermeasures, what today we would term emissions control management, electromagnetic deception, and electronic attack. So the Signal Intelligence Service also absorbed a small photographic detachment to do its own in-house exploitation of captured German cryptographic materials. And this decreased the time and coordination required to generate solutions to German codes and ciphers and begin collection. And so for the remainder of the war, Third Army really possessed a single coordinating body for synchronizing communications intelligence collection, communication security, electronic attack, and electronic deception, and integrating them with operational level maneuver. The SIS really couldn't provide Third Army with information about the friendly situation to provide superior understanding and enable faster and better decision making. So Patton and the Third Army signal officer adapted the 6th Mechanized Cavalry Group under Colonel Joe Fickett to serve as an Army Information Service. Now, they didn't come up with this idea out of the ether. They drew on some of the combat experiences, the British Phantom Patrols, also referred to as J-Service during the war, and the American Provisional Signal Information and Monitoring, or SIAM, company that had been operating with 5th Army in Italy. So Patton had even had J-Service assigned to him while he was in Sicily, so he had some familiarity with it. Both of these organizations, the British Phantoms and the American SIAMs, monitored lower echelon radio communications for communication security infractions and information that could enhance friendly situational understanding. And then they passed this information directly from the front line to the Army level headquarters, bypassing normal channels. So dedicating an element to this specific task substantially cut down the time it took for information to get to the operational level decision makers and gave them a more accurate, friendly picture of the battlefield. Third Army broke the 6th Cav up into about 13 information detachments, nine platoon-sized information detachments at the division level, and four smaller supplementary detachments at the core level made out of those troop headquarters. So where Third Army's information service really departed from that original SIAM and Phantom construct was that these elements were designed to be information hunters, not information gatherers. 
as the cavalry group converted to the AIS and went into combat in August, this really became part of their culture. They focused less on just receiving and retransmitting information of value they passively came across. Instead, they moved forward with the forward line of troops and engaged with Division G2s and G3s to gather the information the Army-level leaders needed to make decisions. So third army leaders understood that these detachments could and would be reassigned over the course of a campaign, so they made them be as flexible as possible. At the army level, the AIS headquarters also co-located with the SIS headquarters in a shared van. So up-to-date combat information, signals intelligence, and awareness of communication security shortfalls all pass through a single location. Just bringing it to the present for a second, success in MDO really rests on seeing oneself and the enemy reliably and accurately. And so this physical co-location and innovative connections between the Army Information Service, that repurposed cavalry group, and the Signal Intelligence Service really provided Third Army with a unique ability to sense itself and the enemy across multiple domains. It also allowed Third Army to harmonize effects and shape an enemy understanding of what it was up to. Together, the AAS and SIS construct enhanced and assured Third Army's decision-making and enabled Patton to maintain the initiative and extend operational reach in France. How did these decisions pay off for the U.S. military and its allies? There's a number of good examples. Even before Third Army went to combat, the SIS helped support the Allies' pre-D-Day Operation Fortitude deception plan to make the Germans believe that the invasion would occur at the Pas de Calais, led by Patton's fictional 1st U.S. Army Group. To increase this narrative's verifiability, the Allies mimicked the day-to-day radio signature of the fictional 1st U.S. Army Group that really didn't exist as it seemingly prepared for this invasion. The SIS oversaw Third Army's participation in this plan and controlled activity on Third Army's radio nets to confuse German traffic and analysis. Numerous times during August and September 1944, such as during the German Mortain counterattack in Normandy and at Epinal further east in September, the AIS and the SIS gave Patton the ability to make better decisions faster, communicate those decisions quickly and securely, and interrupt and degrade German decision-making, and ultimately put forces in a place where they could act upon the enemy. So you even see Third Army be one of the very first to integrate airborne electronic attack in support of operational maneuver during Third Army's push-up from the south during the Battle of the Bulge. Really, the takeaway here is, for me at least, is that all of these information-related capabilities added up to much more than the sum of their parts and substantially contributed to Third Army's success because of this deliberate approach taken by Third Army to integrate them in novel ways. I think there's some lessons for the present here. I think we as an army look at some of the challenges associated with gaining an information advantage over an adversary primarily or at least first through a materials and acquisitions lens. I mean, that's almost natural for those of us who work in the cyber or communications and intelligence realms. I'm not saying that research and development isn't important or discounting the impact of fielding more capable platforms. Those things are critical. However, I think Patton's example in 1944 underscores how optimizing processes, organizational structures, operational concepts is equally, if not more important, when it comes to military effectiveness. I mean, Third Army achieved decision dominance not by acquiring any real new pieces of technology during this period, or even really having a substantial technological advantage over the Germans. Third Army achieved decision dominance by building out and adapting organizations and stitching them together with some superior processes. What methods or processes can the U.S. military apply from this case study to manage and increase current information capabilities to gain advantage over our adversaries? Like Third Army in World War II, 
the Army is struggling with efficiently employing its capabilities to generate information advantages and open those windows of opportunity against peer adversaries. Third Army successfully adapted and modified existing organizations within the boundaries of available technology to integrate capabilities while maintaining flexibility. So as the Army experiments with new formations like Expeditionary Cyber Warfare Battalions and Multi-Domain Effects Battalions and the Multi-Domain Task Forces, we would do well to take a look at the example of Third Army. Over the coming years, these formations, they're going to experiment with new technologies and processes to allow the U.S. Army to generate information advantages in competition, crisis, and conflict. And while the specific capabilities hosted by these new formations are more sophisticated than those of Signal Intelligence Service, the organizing principles that made the SIS successful really do remain relevant. First, Third Army's example shows that military organizations are most effective when they organize themselves and have concepts that integrate all information resources and supporting functions. This allows them to take full advantage of their strengths while covering their weaknesses. And Third Army's experience shows how effective organizations can be when they create integrated structures to synchronize the real-time denial of information of the enemy protect friendly information, ensure the availability of priority information, especially in a deny-disrupted, intermittent, and bandwidth-limited environment. The SIS example also shows the importance of directly aligning those supporting functions, like that photographic detachment they received, to enable these organizations to protect information denied from the enemy. I'd also say second, effective organizations exploit available technology and develop appropriate operational employment concepts that match that technology's demonstrated capabilities. Third Army's SIS example shows the importance of having the organizational flexibility to be able to rapidly integrate emerging technologies into the operations, like that electronic attack during the bulge. The Army Information Services performance, on the other hand, shows the value of building redundancy and leveraging those human resources to maintain organizational resiliency. In other words, as we experiment with new platforms and technologies, we have to maintain a balance like Third Army did because failing to adopt emerging technologies quickly and integrate them into organizational constructs and operational concepts risks being left behind. However, employing nascent technologies that have not been fully assimilated across the force or without sufficient redundancy risks failures under the strain of combat. Finally, effective organizations have the mobility and flexibility to reorient themselves on new threats and opportunities. Much like Third Army's AIS, Expeditionary Cyber, EW, and Information Operations elements in the future could be expected to support a range of elements, performing diverse missions from competition through conflict. And success in MDO is also predicated upon the ability of U.S. Army elements to exploit temporary windows of opportunity. Future multi-domain effects battalions or cyber teams of the future they really need to have the intellectual, organizational, and physical ability to transition missions, supported elements, and even physical locations quickly. They also need to be capable of constantly altering their practices in order to avoid being overcome by a more adaptive foe. Just as a parting thought on that, I really think we need to be focused on the organizational culture, processes, procedures, and operational concepts of our new formations, as much or if not more so than we are on the technologies that they're employing. We need to make sure that they're flexible and resilient and that they have what they need in terms of authorities, command and control, and support to be agile. Only then could they be able to take the maximum advantage of the technological overmatch that we hope to have over our adversaries. And in this regard, I think Patton's Third Army serves as a good example of how we can get after information advantage. Read the article at press.armywarcollege.edu slash parameters. Look for volume 53, issue two. 
Spencer, thanks so much for making time for this today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Stephanie. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, you can find us on any major podcast platform. 